You know, emotional management is one of those topics that has to be continually revisited, as I stumble over my words. Uh, it, it is a topic that is something that needs to be worked on on a regular basis, right? It's something that I've been working on for a long time and it's something I'm very passionate about talking about. But I've been doing it for so long, it's kind of like playing fighting games or playing a game for so long. Trying to explain some of the introductory stuff, it's almost second nature so you don't realize what needs to be talked about until you start getting more questions or you start hearing more about what someone else thinks. Uh, so that's what we're going to be talking about today and I have a very specific example from a member of the community. They actually posted it in the improvement based conversations in our Kalamazoo FTC Discord. Uh, so you can go over there if you have questions, if you're trying to better yourself, if you're trying to share some some tech, some life tech uh, on how to get better, we, we share information in there. Sometimes I'll drop a podcast episode in there as well uh, for conversation purposes or to answer a question that's already in there. So make sure you do check that out. The links will be in the show notes if you care to do that and you are a fan of fighting games. Otherwise, uh, we have just the FTC philosophy discord um that i'm thinking about rebranding but we're not going to worry about that for right now but yeah today's episode is all about that we're going to get into that topic in just a little bit but before we do i have some life updates that i want to talk about i've been liking talking about some of these topics because i'm able to help remind myself hold myself accountable of these things on a regular basis basically on a bi-weekly basis right now trying to get it to a weekly uh so i i'm trying to really focus on things that i want to be looking at and improving on and learning about and putting that into this podcast a little bit while also having something to get out of it for the listener as well. So it's accountability for myself, improvement for myself, but also for you guys as well uh, as you see me grow from where I am now, uh, from where I was to where I'm going to be or where I will be in the future. Cool. So let's get on to the first topic. So uh, the first thing is getting more organized. I've been talking about that. I will keep talking about it. And I want to dig a little bit deeper into my most anxiety causing concerns because uh, i think i talked about it before and i think i feel like i've been too hard on myself in some areas uh while also trying to keep the mindset of improving improving uh, and the main thing is project management is i think the term i've been looking at i've been using tools applications like trello to really organize these projects uh, and I'm still learning at it. And uh, I have that imposter syndrome sometimes where it feels like I have these grand goals, right? I'm not just working for myself. I'm trying to build these colleges and universities into a fully fledged esports program that people want to advertise at the school wants to promote. And I think sometimes the gravity of that situation gets to me and my expectations, I feel like I can't really meet them. And that combined with continuing to put in the work, continuing to try my best, despite how I feel about it, uh, I'm at a place now where I have a small team that helps me, you know, keep my head on straight. I help them keep their head on straight and we work on these projects together and, you know, realizing that I don't have to do everything myself, realizing that I'm not as bad off as I thought I was because, you know, I'm creating a process and I'm actually adhering to that process. It feels good. I, once I start getting the paycheck because the holiday weekend, uh, holiday break has basically wiped my accounts. <laughs> so I got to build that money back up. I want to get a book that one of uh, my friends recommended. So I'm going to be checking that out. I have a, a page saved for that. If it's something I like, I'm probably going to keep on using it because that's more so for my personal life and probably the big picture to maintain that idea. Whereas, you know, the day to day, the, the specifics, I can continue to use my calendar and my, you know, my digital calendar and uh, my 
project management apps, stuff like that. So yeah, between adding everything on my calendar and using project management apps like Trello, I, I'm actually starting to get kind of proud of myself. I still have a ways to go, but you know, I've been, during the break, I felt like I had a lot of anxiety because I was still trying to get a few things done kind of off the clock just to prepare for the new semester. But now that it's here, the closer it got, I was like, oh man, am I prepared? Am I prepared? You know, Omicron's coming. Uh, we got pushed back a week. We got pushed back another week. You know, there's there's meetings here and there for different colleges and organizations because they're still kind of starting their semester. So it's just like this Omicron situation has added a little bit more because it's caused more miscommunication and and... Uh, pushing back start times for things and trying to adjust to that. And, and there's a couple of events I need to travel for. So trying to prepare for that around my other job obligations, obliga obligations, obligations. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's been challenging. So nonetheless, I'm making it work. I feel pretty good about it. I'm, I'm getting proud of myself pretty, pretty much is what I'm saying here. And I'm, I'm happy about that. Uh, also getting things done around the house really excited about that not a huge topic i'm going to spend a lot of time on but making some improvements trying to winterize the house a little bit late <laughs> but better late than never i suppose uh spending money on on things my wife and i are spending money on a lot of stuff around the house or have been so not not fun homeownership is a huge responsibility luckily we've had some help along the way um I can't, I can't recommend anything <laughs> for homeowners. <laughs> Don't talk to me about advice on homeownership. I, that is not in my wheelhouse. I am not great at that. Uh, but the last thing is my my son and I made a Let's Play. We did a, if you don't know what a Let's Play is, it's basically we play through a game and you're just kind of giving your commentary along the way. And that could just be interacting with somebody else. In this case, it's my son. And uh, yeah, we uploaded to YouTube. It's currently unlisted. I'm sharing it with friends and family right now before I decide to make it public if I'm going to. I think the idea of sharing my son online is a weird idea, but at the same time, there's something endearing about just sharing these moments. And when I'm long gone and he can go back and look at these videos and they're easy to access from anywhere for him, I, I don't necessarily need it to be public, but I love that idea of the discipline of making videos with him and then sharing those moments it might not always be gaming related, but I've always liked that idea of making that content, but not sharing it with people because I think it is weird to me to be able to see that your pictures of yourself are online before you even were like conscious of what the internet was. That's just weird to me how people share a lot of baby photos and stuff like that on this massive information super highway uh, it's just it kind of wears me out a little bit maybe i'm paranoid i don't know it seems like everyone else is very open with sharing tons and tons of pictures of their family but when you're a content creator uh, and when people know who you are and you don't know who they are the fact that they know who your family is before you even know their name weirds me out a little uh, and i haven't quite figured that out yet and apparently a lot of celebrities i think still have this issue as well i'm not a celebrity but there, there's places where i can go to certain kinds of events where they will know who i am and i like that and i appreciate that but now that i'm a father i have to think about how that impacts not just my son but also my wife as well uh so those are just things that i'm trying to come to terms with while i, I think about what i want to do with this let's play series because i want to make it just don't know if I'm going to share with a small group of people just so that they can kind of see my son grow up, especially during this pandemic where no one really gets to see him as much as I feel like they want to. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my thoughts on that. Of course, we have the what am I reading right now? And I actually started Ready Player One over again. So I ran out of my free tokens on Audible and I usually, I'd almost never buy books with real money unless it's on a sale or something on, uh, on Audible. I never listen 
buy a lot of books, that, audiobooks? I'm trying to think of the right term. I never spend money on audiobooks. I just use the free tokens because one book a month had been about what I averaged when it was more of a personal development book. You can only take so much in before you have to start reflecting on it. Like I've been slowly listening to The Art of Learning because I've listened to it so many times. I really want to make sure I'm breaking down each individual chapter. Uh, but before I talk about Ready Player One, scratch that. Before I talk about the art of learning, I want to talk about Ready Player One a tiny bit because I think it's such a good book. Ah, man, I thoroughly enjoy Ready Player One, the the book and the audiobook. The audiobook is voiced by Will Wheaton, so the, the acting is good. Uh, <laughs> the movie just was not for me. So I, I feel like I've talked about this before, but the movie, it, it's just fun. It's mindless fun. There's no depth to it whatsoever. It's just a bunch of references to a bunch of things that are for Zoomers, almost, and barely Millennials. But in the book, it's heavily, heavily for people who are 80s babies. It's for people who love the 80s era because James Holiday, the guy that does this whole tournament Easter egg hunt situation, loved and was obsessed with the 80s specifically. So all of the quests and puzzles and, and uh, challenges were all references to the 80 and some the 80s in some form or fashion and i love that alone uh but they also get into a lot more morality um you know the, the main character isn't this perfect character he's flawed and that those flaws make him relatable to a nerd who grew up um you know post 80s kind of in the 80s i was really young in the 80s so it's not like i remember them specifically but i remember the impact that it left because when we were broke so we watched a lot of older stuff uh, you know, a lot of older VHSs because we didn't buy things day one. We bought things years down the line when they came out. And I still kind of follow that trend, actually. There's no point to me to buying DVDs. I don't buy DVDs, first off. But buying games, you know, is my thing. And I never buy a game full price, pretty much. But that's an aside. But yeah, Ready Player One, the book, I highly recommend it. If you're a fan of the 80s, if you're a fan of, like, if you're a nerd who grew up in, in the, uh, 80s early 2000 late 2000s early 2000s um 90s then you can kind of relate to this this divide where the main character grows up in this world where everyone's using the oasis the vr uh gaming world mmo type situation uh and he's almost detached because he's so used to this kind of lifestyle where the real world is basically crappy and you have to delve into this virtual world. And I can relate to that to some extent because I played a lot of single player video games when I was really, really young. And then growing up, as soon as online gameplay was a thing, Xbox Live, I had that day one, and I've been online gaming on PC. So I understand this attachment to the virtual world where your real world sucks. So, and then the fact that James Holiday was years in the past, uh, you know, he, cause he was the one that invented the Oasis. He never really had a chance. You know, he grew up in a world where there wasn't anything like that. And he grew up, uh, and kind of helped bridge that gap, but was still stuck in the eighties. There's just a lot to think about there. There's a lot to talk about a lot to, uh, enjoy. And the fact that the main character, Parzival or, or, uh, Wade, Wade Wilson, he, He's so relatable in a lot of ways and like his imperfections, they're not great things. They're not supposed to be celebrated because I think some of the things that he does offends people, but he was a young nerd who grew up around video games and he's not going to have the same social awareness. So it felt very realistic the way he interacted with people sometimes and, and kind of relatable to a younger version of myself. And uh, I think in the second book, Ready Player Two, you see a little bit of that evolution from him. And so it was really nice to see 
because uh, I've read the second book or I listened to the second book and uh, I've, I've really enjoyed that. But nonetheless, let me talk about a little bit of Art of Learning. I'm not going to delve too deeply into it, but I've really enjoyed chapters 13 through 17. Uh, it feels very connected. So 13 and 14 is more about slowing down time and then sort of delving into the illusion of the mystical. And I really, really love comparing that to the practice of hit confirming in fighting games, specifically Street Fighter. I've been playing Kareen and really enjoying it. And there is this threshold where you get so skilled that certain abilities that you can do or other people can do that you observe feel almost mystical. Like they're like Michael Jordan, right? They're genius. They're they're the they're best. They're just they're just born that way, right? They're just really, really good. And then you cross this threshold yourself, and it's like, oh wait. This isn't as mystical as I thought it was. There's a process to get there. And slowing down time is that process. And I love the way this chess player slash martial artist talks about slowing down time and even uses a camera to talk about frames and how you can actually notice more frames similar to how when you hit confirm, you can notice more frames of the animation uh, during the startup and during the active frames before you confirm into it. So he talks about this process and then he starts to blend that into getting into the zone and, and putting everything, these concepts that he's been talking about up to this point, putting it all together and how to access getting into the zone more consistently. And uh, I, I love how a lot of these, these themes in his book are reflecting the topics I'm talking about with my students when I'm coaching or with the fighting game community. Uh, it just... The book has given me a level of comfort that I'm moving in the right direction when I'm guiding my students, that I'm talking about something that uh, I'm explaining in my own words, but it's grounded in reality uh, because I have to explain things in the moment based off of what someone is saying. I can't just say something general about focusing because everyone has focusing deficiencies in various different areas of their of, of their mindset. So someone who can focus very well... Um, in one area but just loses their mind when they make a mistake they're losing their focus in one way but not in the other and then there's someone who just like they go squirrel every time they hear something funny and they just like they lose track they're not emotionally mad they're actually very happy but they're still not playing at their best so it's like i have to i can't just give general advice i have to give tailored advice to who i'm talking to and it's sometimes hard and feels like uh, i'm just making things up um, but then when I read some of these chapters in this book uh, from someone who's successful, who's a master in not just chess, but martial arts, uh, it's very reaffirming, reaffirming, reassuring for me. Uh, but yeah, I, I highly think you should check out either of these books. If you're into personal development, you've got to listen to The Art of Learning by Josh Waitskin. It is just stupid good. And then, of course, Ready Player One. I'm a huge fan of the series, uh, of the books. <laughs> I don't care about the movie. I'm not going to bash the movie because it's just not for me. It's for younger people, for younger audiences, for fun. I wasn't looking for that in the Ready Player One movie. Uh, and I just, I didn't get what I would have liked. So I'm not going to bash it. It just isn't for me. But let's move on to the main topic, shall we? All right. So... I want to actually get into this conversation. Um, one of our members of the community posted this topic on um, our Discord server on the fighting game Kalamazoo FGC uh, improvement based conversations channel. I think that's what it's called. It's improvement conversation, something like that, improvement based. Uh, and I just want to read it, right? I just want to read it and then I'm going to. Uh, share my thoughts on the individual parts of it because I think there's three main parts to really digest and talk about here All right, so let's get into the first part. So he says 
When I play, sometimes I get frustrated, angry that things happen in a match. Incorrect reads, unknown matchups, connection lag when, my, uh, when it's my turn. Eventually these stack together and eventually turns into rage. Yeah, so I've had this conversation with one of my students as well. This is an unrelated conversation, but I basically broke down what I saw was there's a mistake that's made, there's another one, there's another one, there's another one, and especially in, you know, in ranked matches, it's a little bit different because you reset, you know, you have a new oppo opponent each match, uh, but when you're playing a long set against the same opponent, it's different because you both, both teams have the opportunity to make adjustments uh, and learn from their mistakes and utilize that in the next game. And I think that's where I noticed it the worst, where, yeah, you're making these mistakes and it's eventually compounding and you're just getting so frustrated that you just got to take a break because you can't keep compiling all this information. And this is, again, very vague because everyone's situation is different, but part of that process is... I want to make it clear that there's a difference between bottling up your emotions and suppressing your reaction and not getting mad in the first place, right? It's like you're absor absorbing all this rain or water and then you're squeezing it out altogether versus you're like a duck and the water just rolls off of you. The same situations are happening, but you're just letting it roll off of you because of how you think about the situation. I use this short formula really often to help visualize the the concept of the chain of reaction and it's your your thoughts lead to your emotions and your emotions lead to your actions right you think something you we're playing talking about you know fighting games here you make a mistake you drop a combo now you're in the middle of beating yourself up because you dropped a combo and what might happen there's a, a good chance that you might make another mistake because you're too busy thinking about something that happened a couple seconds ago rather than what's happening right now then you get mad about that mistake because you probably for whatever reason you might feel slighted because you're whatever you're, you people's logic when they lose in games is crazy what they feel disrespected by so i'm not even going to try to justify or, or even explain that but you make another mistake now you're getting mad again and then Maybe you still win that round, but you can't let those mistakes go because of one reason or another. If you make it, make it again, you might lose. Then you make the mistake again, and now you're even more mad. And it's just like you're not forgetting. You're not letting go of these situations. You're continuing to hold on to them for whatever reason. And that's different from thinking, I made, a, I made this mistake. What's my next move, right? You're not focusing on the mistake. You're focusing on what's important. The now, the, the moment, and it's hard to get people to understand that concept because their default is set to focus on bad things. You know, that's very, very general, but that's essentially what happens is bad thing happened. I'm going to focus on it, but you got to learn how to switch from not holding in your emotions, but just not letting yourself think these thoughts in the first place. Because when you start thinking a thought of whatever happened and now I'm mad or upset or sad, you're going to follow it. And you might even make a whole story in your head and you start thinking about if you're in a tournament, it gets even worse because, oh, what is someone going to think about me if I go 0-2 or I lose to this person or I don't like this person, I don't want to lose to them. You start adding in the social dynamic and that causes extra uh, friction. So now you're, you, maybe you don't like getting mad in, in public, right? That was my issue is I hated getting mad in public. Luckily, that wasn't an issue in terms of like competing in tournaments ever or very often. But it was just an issue that I struggled with in school where 
I was afraid to defend myself because I didn't want to show people my anger. I was a giant dude and I just didn't want people to think I was some like black savage, right? I don't know. I just had a fear of people just putting me into a stereotypical box and that really crippled me from ever expressing myself when I was really, really young. And some other people have holdups like that. You, you've got to be able to recognize that and one, know when you're being rational about something and, and know when you're not being rational and start to work on that. So hopefully that made sense. I think that this is a, a good example to look at for how we can sort of view these concepts in a different way. But let's, let's move on to the second part of this conversation. So he says, uh, I want to mitigate that feeling. I believe anger helps motivate, but rage leads to destructive learning and bad results. I wish to know more about how to play matches without crossing the line, uh, the, the rage, rage threshold. Yeah, yeah. So this is actually a topic that uh, I don't think I talked about on podcasts, but I've had conversations with people where I personally, I play, I'm not going to say I play better when I'm angry, but I can use anger to focus myself more on my goal. Uh, when I'm angry, I tend to get more focused on what matters uh, and less focused on things that aren't important. So when people get mad, a lot of times the reason they're playing bad is because they're not making logical choices. They're angry, so they're just trying to do everything and do it as like fast as they can or as like aggressively as they can. It, t it tends to be a very predictable play style because it's like in their mind, they're not thinking about every individual situation of like what they can do. They're thinking about how good they're going to look when they beat this person or how slighted they feel, feel and why they're going to take their rage out on this person. There's usually some egocentric aspect to their anger whereas other people sometimes when they're angry it's it's like when you're like a a, a dog or, or like a crocodile and you just you chomp down on on a very specific thing and that's all that matters so a lot of times what i do is i focus on the now i can't always make the most rational decisions but i can make sure that i'm taking in as much information as necessary and pushing out everything that isn't necessary i can turn off any distractions and that includes things that are going to make me more angry uh, and things that might make me sad. I don't care if I made another mistake. It's whatever, move on to the next thing, whatever, move on to the next thing. Now, after the match is over, I'll feel a release of some sort. So it might be disappointment. And I hold that if I'm disappointed, you know, I don't know. Like I've never had a very extreme reaction. It's usually just like, oh, you know, like, damn, or like, you know, I might cuss. And that, that's okay. The game is over and I just need to feel that release a little bit, but I don't let it affect me during the gameplay. And I don't, I acknowledge the feeling immediately afterwards. So it's not something that becomes destructive for me because I'm able to be like, let me feel this. Uh, I might say, I just need a second to think about things and process uh, because I'm playing it over my head or something like that. And then, you know, I, I move on. I'll try to learn from it. I might ask the person if there's anything to be learned from that situation. Uh, you know, what happened? And uh, I think I think that's a pretty productive way for me to do it. Uh, I'm only sharing my example as one way of handling these situations. I think everyone can learn in their own way or do things in their own way. Uh, but I want to give you one avenue to think about things and you can kind of branch off from there if you don't have a starting place to work with. You know, you know what I'm saying? So let, let's move on to this last bit. It's, it's pretty straightforward. He says, I want to believe uh, I believe if I can solve this, I can get past my current plateau I'm having. Uh, any guidance would be appreciated. So hopefully so far the guidance has been helpful. I think he already said that he's worked this out, but again, it's a continual process. So maybe there's more to add on to that. Uh, the main last thing I want to hit on is the fact that, you know, he recognizes that getting angry can cause him to plateau. And, and that's the big takeaway here is that 
if you're one of the people who gets mad to a destructive level to where you're you're not learning, then you're not improving. You know, you, you can spend as much time in the lab as you want to, but that's a different thing. That's only one component to winning matches. Uh, and you got to be able to acknowledge that, you know, no amount of lab time is going to help you prepare for someone who can just outsmart you in, in the middle of a match or uh, have better composure than you. Uh, you will hit a plateau if you can't hold it together. You know, it, it's just the way it is. There's a lot of players that I know that are on the pro level uh, and lower that just they lose because they can't hold their emotions in check. And you will see a lot of the players who are consistently on the top are ones that are calm regardless of the situation. You might see their response after the match is done, but a lot of times they're trying their best to hold it together. And I think that's also why Japanese players are so consistent is because the way they handle loss in Japan overall uh, is just culturally better than how we handle it in America. The way we perceive loss is way more destructive, in my opinion. Now, that's just my thoughts on it. I'd love to know your take on this as well, because this is part of the conversation where we, we we share our thoughts, right? I've shared my thoughts on this topic, and now it's time for you guys to share your thoughts, because I, I don't want this to be something of me just talking at you. I want this to be a conversation two ways. So make sure you reach out to me on social media or leave a comment in this podcast. Uh, and just let me know, was this helpful for you? Do you relate to this kind of stuff? And uh, how do you overcome your emotional issues, whether it be at work and relationships or playing in games competitively? Love to know more about that. Last thing I want to mention is if you guys do like audiobooks and you do want to support me, uh, make sure you go to the, the website taviannapier.com slash audible. You'll get a free month of audible from that website and also a free token for a free book. If you wind up keeping it, if you wind up keeping audible and paying for the subscription, which I think is like seven bucks a month, eight bucks a month. I have to check. I, I don't know. I've been paying for it for years, uh, so I don't know 100% what it is. But uh, if you wind up committing to it, then after three months, I actually get a little bit of money. I don't get money from people just checking it out. I just want to encourage more people to read books, whether it be from digital or physical. I don't really care. Uh, but also, if I can make a little money on the side, then hey, I will appreciate anybody who supports. <laughs> but yeah, tavianapier.com slash audible is where you can go to get a free month of that. Uh, and also, you can just cancel. So there's no risk. There's no risk to you. You don't have to uh, commit to this. So that said, Thank you guys so much for tuning in, listening, sticking with me. I hope you guys are safe and I will see you all in the next one.